Hey folks, President Donald Trump here. Today's episode is sponsored by fascism. Fascism is a far-right, authoritarian, ultra-nationalist political ideology and movement characterized by a tremendous leader, just the greatest leader you've ever seen. People are talking about how great a leader I am. What were we talking about? Tell you what, folks. You listen to this episode while I finish my McNuggets and try to remember what we were talking about. Let's start the show. Attention, South Dakota residents. Everything is fine. Everything is beautiful. Go back to your homes. Go back to your jobs. Trust in the authority. Work. Stay asleep. Work. Stay asleep. Work. Stay asleep. Work. Stay asleep. Keeping you docile and distracted during times of uncertainty. This is the South Dakota Department of Propaganda Podcast. Here are your authority figures, Steve and Corny. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the South Dakota Department of Propaganda Podcast a cynical attempt to distract you from the systematic dismantling of everything you hold dear. I'm your host, Steve, and with me, as always, is my good pal and show mascot, Corny. May I have some McNuggets, Steve? No. Anyway, this week's agenda, Missing Native American Women in South Dakota. The issue of missing women on South Dakota Indian reservations is a complex and ongoing problem that has plagued indigenous communities for decades. According to the National Crime Information Center, Native American women are reported missing or murdered at a rate more than 2.5 times higher than that of any other demographic group in the United States. South Dakota is home to nine Native American tribes, including the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe, the Crow Creek Sioux Tribe, the Flandreau-Santee Sioux Tribe, the Lower Brule Sioux Tribe, the Oglala Sioux Tribe, the Rosebud Sioux Tribe, the Sisseton Wapiton Oyat, the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, and the Yankton Sioux Tribe. These tribes are located across the state, and each has its own unique history and culture. Despite efforts to bring attention to the issue, cases of missing indigenous women on South Dakota Indian reservations often go unreported or uninvestigated. One reason for this is that many indigenous communities have a deep-seated mistrust of law enforcement due to a long history of mistreatment and discrimination. As a result, many families and community members may be hesitant to report a missing person to authorities for fear that their concerns will not be taken seriously. Another challenge is that many indigenous communities are located in remote areas, which can make it difficult for law enforcement to quickly respond to reports of missing persons. Additionally, Jurisdictional issues often arise, as many reservations are under the jurisdiction of both tribal and federal law enforcement agencies, which can lead to confusion and delays in investigations. It is difficult to provide an exact number of missing women on South Dakota reservations, as cases often go unreported or uninvestigated. However, according to the National Crime Information Center, Native American women are reported missing or murdered at a rate more than 2.5 times higher than that of any other demographic group in the United States. Additionally, a 2018 report by the Urban Indian Health Institute identified 506 cases of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls in 71 urban areas across the country, 
including Rapid City, which is located near several South Dakota reservations. However, this report did not include cases from all reservations, and the actual number of missing indigenous women on South Dakota reservations is likely higher. There are several factors that contribute to the issue of missing women on South Dakota reservations. One major factor is the systemic violence and discrimination that indigenous communities have faced for generations, which has created a climate of vulnerability for indigenous women and girls. Historical trauma, poverty, lack of access to resources and opportunities, and a lack of legal protection have also played a role in creating an environment where indigenous women are at increased risk of violence and exploitation. Another contributing factor is the jurisdictional complexity that arises on many reservations, where law enforcement responsibilities are divided between tribal, state, and federal agencies. This can lead to confusion and delays in investigations, and can result in cases going unreported or uninvestigated. The remote nature of many reservations can also make it difficult for law enforcement to quickly respond to reports of missing persons. Moreover, indigenous communities often face challenges in accessing adequate resources and support, including mental health services, substance abuse treatment, and victim advocacy. This lack of resources can make it difficult for survivors and families of missing women to get the help they need to heal and cope with the trauma of violence and loss. It is important to note that the issue of missing women on South Dakota reservations is not unique to indigenous communities. Violence against women and girls is a global problem that affects many communities and cultures. However, the unique historical and contemporary challenges faced by indigenous communities have created a particularly vulnerable environment for indigenous women and girls. Addressing this issue requires a comprehensive approach that includes efforts to address systemic discrimination and violence, improve resources and support for indigenous communities, and reform law enforcement practices to ensure that cases of missing and murdered indigenous women are taken seriously and investigated thoroughly. Experts in the field know that violent individuals such as serial killers, sexual psychopaths, and sociopaths, whose crimes generally appear random and motiveless, are adept at using the system against itself. They prey on people like Tia Hicks, a drug user police suspected of prostitution, though she had no record, because they are more vulnerable than most. Criminologist Stephen Egger calls the victims in cases like these the less dead because they are usually people who have been marginalized. Prostitutes, drug users, homosexuals, farm workers, hospital patients, and the elderly. We don't spend a lot of time dealing with missing people who aren't particularly important, who don't have a lot of prestige, said Egger, a University of Houston Clear Lake professor and former police officer. It's a public failing as well as a police failing, a common belief being that such people take big risks and get what they deserve. The relationship between South Dakota law enforcement and indigenous communities on reservations has been marked by a history of mistrust, discrimination, and tension. For many indigenous communities, law enforcement represents a legacy of colonialism and oppression, and there is a deep-seated distrust of government institutions and authorities. This has created significant barriers to effective communication and cooperation between law enforcement agencies and indigenous communities. Moreover, the jurisdictional complexity that arises on many reservations, where law enforcement responsibilities are divided between tribal, state, and federal agencies, 
can lead to confusion and delays in investigations, and can result in cases going unreported or uninvestigated. There are many social problems that plague Indian reservations in South Dakota, including poverty, unemployment, lack of access to education and health care, substance abuse, domestic violence, and historical trauma. These challenges are often interrelated, and their effects can be felt across generations. There is way more to this important and complex issue than we can cover in a single episode, but just keep these factors in mind as we continue. Because of the sensitive history of relations between European-descended settlers and those in the native community, often this issue receives more attention from overseas media than it does from local South Dakota media. Take this account that was featured in The Guardian in October of 2021. Monica Fasthorse texted her 26-year-old daughter on a Thursday evening in August to ask when she would be home. It wasn't fear that drove her to it. It was simply what they always did. They checked in with each other. Fast Horse and her daughter Jenna Charging Crow lived together in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, along with another one of Fast Horse's daughters and Charging Crow's five-year-old daughter Janelle. Fast Horse, a member of the Oglala Lakota tribe, helped raise her granddaughter, and Charging Crow served as primary caretaker for her mother as she dealt with the medical complications of end-stage kidney failure. Earlier in the week, the pair had been excitedly preparing outfits for Janelle's upcoming first day of kindergarten. Fast Horse said she remembered Charging Crow's amazement that her daughter was going to be starting school in a matter of days, and was also looking toward her own first day at a new job at Wendy's. That Thursday evening, Charging Crow went to her friend's apartment about a three-minute drive away. She was supposed to be out just a few hours, so all Charging Crow wore on her feet were slippers, according to Fast Horse. But as the night went on, Fast Horse's curiosity became concern. By the next day, it had morphed into fear. She would always, always check in with me, Fast Horse told the Guardian. I swear, even in the past, when we've had our differences and we've argued and stuff, she would always call me or text me and say, Mom, did you eat today? Or did you and baby eat today? Or how's my baby doing? By the afternoon, Fast Horse said she called the Sioux Falls Police Department and filed a missing persons report. About two hours later, she said officers came to her home, took her statement, and then went to the apartment complex her daughter had visited. For five agonizing days, the family searched the area, covering stores and street poles with missing persons flyers and emailing and calling local news organizations before Fast Horse heard from the detective assigned to her daughter's case. Her daughter has now been missing almost two months, and she has never heard back from any of the news organizations she contacted. I never thought this would ever happen to me, she said. I've seen other posters, I've seen other notices, but I never thought it would happen to my kid. And going through this with the police department and people not helping you and not caring about you or not worrying about that. Sergeant Robert Forster with the Sioux Falls Police Department said he couldn't speak directly to the case because it was an active investigation, but said that the detective on the case had been working it diligently. When asked about the amount of time that elapsed before Fast Horse was contacted, he explained that in some cases there may be a lag time because officers received an incorrect phone number for the family, or the detective was off for the weekend, or it came down to having to prioritize based on the day's caseload. This year, he said, 10 detectives will be investigating as many as 800 cases, so we have to prioritize those. As of the recording of this episode, we could find no evidence online that Jenna Charging Crow was ever found.
To make matters worse, this issue is not confined to just South Dakota, though we are effectively ground zero in the crisis, especially in the Rapid City area. But as the case of Jenna Charging Crow illustrated, this happens everywhere in South Dakota. In 2018, the Urban Indian Health Institute released a report documenting hundreds of cases of missing and murdered American Indian and Alaska Native women and girls across 71 U.S. cities. More than 150 of the cases they found were not included in law enforcement records. Its authors determined that more than 95% of the cases in the report had not received coverage by a national or international news agencies. Dr. Patty Lowe, professor at Northwestern University's Journalism School and director of its Center for Native American and Indigenous Research, said the lack of coverage is driven by many factors, including the misclassification of Native women, the geographical separation between reservations and urban areas where news agencies are often based, and reporters naturally wanting to stay within their cultural comfort zones. I think news prefers people that sort of stay within the system and people of color who are assimilatory and want equal rights. That's something we understand, said Lowe, who is a member of the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Ojibwe. But I think reporters don't really understand sovereignty and people who have a political identity that exists outside the mainstream. Since the Petito case, many news agencies have suddenly jumped into reporting on missing Native American women and have highlighted the disparity bringing attention to specific cases of missing indigenous people. The effect, according to Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women USA, has been at least eight indigenous women and girls being found. One had been missing for about a year. It shows representation in the media matters, said Deborah Maytubi Shipman, the organization's director and founder. We try so much to bend into what everybody wants to see instead of what we are. And for the first time, I think we're being recognized for what we actually are, a person of color and not some other fourth class. The crisis is ongoing. Newspaper The Argus Leader reported this time last year that there were, quote, currently 68 missing indigenous people in South Dakota as of the end of April, according to the South Dakota Attorney General's Missing Persons Clearinghouse database. At the time of this recording, the state of South Dakota's official missing persons database listed 101 people of all ages and races missing in South Dakota currently. Of them, 63 were identified as native. Nobody knows how many indigenous people go missing or are murdered every year. There's just not a lot of comprehensive data. But on long, neglected reservations such as Rosebud, tribal members are convinced the crisis is worsening every day. Tribal governments are renewing pressure on federal and state authorities to devote more resources to the crisis. And there are signs that's starting to happen. In recent years, there have been efforts to address these challenges and to improve resources and support for indigenous communities in South Dakota. Some examples of these efforts include economic development. Efforts to increase economic development on reservations have included initiatives to support small businesses, create jobs, and improve access to capital and resources. The U.S. Department of Agriculture and other organizations have provided grants and loans to support entrepreneurship and business development. Education. Initiatives to improve education and educational opportunities on reservations have included efforts to increase funding for schools, improve teacher training, and provide access to technology and resources. Many tribes have also established their own tribal colleges and universities to provide higher education opportunities for their communities. Healthcare. 
Efforts to improve healthcare on reservations have included initiatives to increase funding for healthcare facilities and programs, improve access to preventative care and treatment for chronic illnesses, and increase the number of indigenous healthcare professionals. Cultural revitalization. Efforts to support cultural revitalization on reservations have included initiatives to preserve and promote traditional indigenous knowledge and practices, support language revitalization programs, and promote traditional arts and crafts. Tribal sovereignty. Efforts to support tribal sovereignty and self-determination have included initiatives to strengthen tribal justice systems, improve access to legal representation, and support tribal consultation with state and federal governments. A law enforcement liaison for missing natives established by House Bill 1199 in 2021, which was drafted by State Reverend Perry Poirier, D. Pine Ridge, shall establish the Office of Liaison for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Persons, MMIP, to assist with and provide training for locating missing or murdered indigenous persons. Poirier cited the fact that over 70% of missing people in South Dakota right now are Native American when asked why she decided to bring the bill. Having a missing person specialist, especially on this issue, will create awareness, coordination, and communication that we haven't had before. What we are doing now is not working. The rates of missing and murdered indigenous people is the highest it has been ever since we started collecting data. Opponents of the bill argued largely against the fiscal implications for creating the office. Proponents say that the issue is not just a South Dakota one. The tribal nations in South Dakota have pledged support to finding federal funding for this position, said Poirier. This also joins efforts across the state. It's a national issue. Tribes across the country are joining efforts with their states to fund positions like this. I still see posters in my community of missing indigenous girls, said Sen. Troy Heinert. Some of them have been gone 20 years and we still don't have any answers, and that is just unacceptable. The bill was signed into law by Governor Christy Noem on March 29, 2021. It is important to note that addressing the social problems that plague indigenous communities in South Dakota and across the United States requires ongoing effort and a commitment to recognizing and addressing the historical and contemporary injustices faced by indigenous people. This includes efforts to address issues such as land rights, treaty obligations, and the need for reparations for past injustices. Despite the efforts of many, this crisis is still ongoing. In January of 2023, more than 28 individuals ranging in age from 9 to 45 have been reported missing in South Dakota. And now a dire warning from Sioux Falls Mayor Paul Tenhaken. Good evening, citizens of Sioux Falls. I come before you today not to spread fear, but to prepare you for the possibility of an alien invasion. Now I know what you may be thinking. Alien invasion? That only happens in the movies? But the truth is, we cannot rule out the possibility of extraterrestrial life and the potential threat it may pose to our planet. It is my duty to ensure the safety and security of our city and its residents. 
And so I urge you to take this threat seriously and prepare accordingly. First and foremost, we must stay informed. Our government and military officials are constantly monitoring the skies for any signs of extraterrestrial activity. We must remain vigilant and heed any warnings or alerts that may be issued. Secondly, we must have a plan in place. We cannot predict the exact nature of an alien invasion, but we can prepare for a range of possible scenarios. We must work with our emergency services and law enforcement agencies to develop a comprehensive plan of action in the event of an attack. Finally, we must come together as a community. An alien invasion would be a global threat, and it is only through unity and cooperation that we can overcome it. Let us not be divided by fear, but let us stand together in the face of this potential danger. In closing, I want to reiterate that I am not trying to spread panic or fear. Rather, I'm urging you to take this threat seriously and be prepared. As a city, we have faced many challenges and overcome them through resilience and determination. I have no doubt that we will do the same in the face of an alien invasion. To learn more about the preparations we're making for this impending extinction-level event in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, visit patreon.com slash South Dakota. Thank you, and may God bless Sioux Falls. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to call into the podcast, you can leave a voicemail at 605-937-8925. You can also send audio by direct message or record a message and send it to infosouthdakotatruth.com. Just remember, anything you say or think while calling will be recorded and may be played unedited on the podcast. Thank you for listening to the South Dakota Department of Propaganda podcast. 